I want everybody to turn to John 15. This is on the fly. John 15. We were in staff meeting this week. We were, we were dealing with something, and this came up. And uh, it has penetrated my heart. And I just, I, as we were worshiping today, it just kept coming to me and coming to me. Um, John 15, 1 says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So I just want to stop there and tell you something. The determination of your life comes here at verse 2 where he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That's totally anti what we think in that we really, every person probably within the sound of my voice, and of course this is the the side that we do the webcast on, it'll be really crazy today, um, is this, is that we want God as a part of our life. We talked about this last week. We want God as a part of our life. We don't want God as our whole life. And here's the deal. If you're going to be a believer, you're going to follow the Jesus of the Scripture, not the Jesus of culture, not the Jesus of your little religion, not the Jesus that you think uh, fits into your life right. Because, by the way, Jesus doesn't fit in. He didn't fit in when he was here on earth, and he's not going to just fit in where you think he should fit in. So here's the deal. You either bear fruit and get pruned once in a while. And by the way, what it means pruned doesn't mean turn into a prune. Prune means you get trimmed up. So you have a choice there. You can, but here's where it got crazy. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. And it was pointed out, it was pointed out as we went over this scripture, it was pointed out by one of the guys. We were dealing with a particular person a, a, a kid that we've been trying to help that's been with us a long time and it's not going good. And last Sunday morning on the south side, Holy Spirit was really doing some incredible things and just a pleading of the Spirit of God for people to accept His love and to accept what God's doing. And here's, here's the deal. Um, we, we, used to, we used to live up in the Hood River Valley, which is, by the way, one of the world's largest producers of pears. There's apples up there, there's peaches, but it's fruit country. And um, one of the things that, that will happen is that there'll be a storm or whatever, and a, a branch will fall off the tree. Now, you've got to understand something about the fruit that's on that branch and the leaves that's on that branch and everything. Because Jesus says, unless you abide in the vine, unless you, unless you are in me, he says, if anyone does not, verse 6, does, does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you'll be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Now, now I want you to get this picture. I want everybody to picture yourself as you're a branch hooked to a tree, okay? Lightning comes along, smacks you, and puts you to the ground. Or you remove yourself, you just fall away. Now, here's the problem. That branch still has sap in it. So the leaves continue to... I've watched this happen. The leaves continue to be green. There's still fruit on that vine, for that branch, for a while. And that branch thinks it's okay because there's still life in it. The problem is it's not connected to the life giver. So here's what happens. I think this is a... I've been reading about prophetic things, so look out. I'm, I'm, I, I'm just telling you. Here's what's coming. Some of you in this room are listening by the internet. You believe you're still in the church. You're still a part of what God's doing. But you're not connected to the vine. So you're still functioning. But here's the deal. The sap's going to start running out. And then you're going to start getting brittle. And then your fruit is going to wither. And the leaves are going to start getting crunchy. What's happening? You no longer have nothing to draw from. You're not connected to to the tree. Why do you think Psalms, David writes, and you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water whose leaf shall be green in the right season. (coughs) If you don't stay connected to the tree, and here's where the deception of the enemy comes in. You become disconnected from the tree and yet you continue to function as if you were still connected because you're running, now listen to this, You're running on old sap. But then comes the day when the sap begins to run out. And Jesus says there comes a point where that wood becomes so brittle that they gathered the branches and they used them as fire, wood for the fire. Real simple. How do I know that I'm still connected to the tree and not lying on the ground. Want to know how? You change with the seasons. If you're not connected to the tree, you can't change. And seasons come, and seasons go, and the tree grows, the tree produces fruit, but your fruit withers, your leaves are dying, your branches are becoming brittle. And you think everything's okay, because there's still a little bit of life, but you've got to understand, life is sucking life out of you. 
And the only way you know that you are connected to the tree is if you can get through the seasons of life and when it's fruit-bearing time, you're bearing fruit. That's how you know a tree is okay. Jesus was very clear about this. He deals with, he comes by the fig tree and it's just there. I'm sure that fig tree had nice green leaves on it. But Jesus isn't about appearance. He's about fruit. We watch this and we get emotionally moved about sanctity of life. But let me tell you something. When God allowed that life to come, when, you were, when God has thoughts about you before you're even conceived, before you're an unknown substance, let me tell you something, that means He has destiny and purpose for you. He has a reason for you. And here's what I see in the modern day church. We slog into church thinking that's the reason we've been created. I'm telling you, there's a place in God way beyond slogging into church. I should have brought her with me this morning. About it's been about three or four weeks ago. Let me tell you her story, and I don't know where, I don't know how it's going to end. I just got faith is happening. We've had a lady on the south side. Her name's Jackie. Who uh, Jackie's probably one of the most profound people in working with children that I've ever met. She for many years did our nursery. When the, and uh, the kids would be coming home, but we would get calls from parents. Wow, I mean, we're talking one, two-year-old kids are coming home singing songs. They're learning to pray because Jackie just has a way of teaching those kids. I mean, I've never seen anybody with a God-given gift to communicate. But MS got a hold of her body a few years back, and we've watched her decrease and decrease and decrease. About three, when was our, our, our merge service? Three weeks ago when Pastor Iverson was there. Bob Buncher and Susan Palmer and some of the gang gathered around her. They prayed for her. I walked by going, that's cool. <laughs> I get called to the hospital because one of our other gals is in there. Her, she, she, her leg had broke because a cancerous tumor had gotten her leg and had snapped her leg. And she's up there and, and we're looking at the tragedy and praying through that. And by the way, she week by week is changing. I... <laughs> I don't know what's going on. All I know is that God's up to something. But Jackie walks into the room to see Roberta, this lady. And I'm, I'm talking to her and talking to the lady's son. And Jackie walks in. And I look up and I, I do a double take. I said, you doing your makeup different? She says, no. What do you mean? What's going on? Did you win the lottery? I'm questioning her. She says, oh, no, no, no. She says, Jesus is healing me. I said, but you have MS. She says, no, I don't. You know what she's realizing? In the middle of the disease, she's plugged into the tree. And her divine purpose is still there. See, when you get a hold of your divine purpose and you get a hold of what God has called you to, you want to stay connected to the tree because out of that tree is going to flow life. Out of that tree, it's going to make you produce fruit. But herein lies the problem. The 
the deception of many in the church is that they're connected because they've still got leaves. There's still a little bit of life. They don't understand. Unless you abide, there is no life. So here's what happens. The branches come to church on Sunday morning to worship. <laughs> the Bible says that the trees of, their, of the fields clap their hands. So the Holy Spirit begins to move, and those connected to the tree begin to sway with whatever way the wind is blowing. And the branches lay on the ground and say, we've never done it this way before. This isn't church like I remember. This isn't how so-and-so led us. Really? That's what a branch does that's laying on the ground who's not connected to the tree. But when we're connected to the tree, when the wind blows, we blow the way of the wind. And John was really clear in the third chapter. He says, the, the Spirit's like the wind. It blows whatever direction it wants to blow, He wants to blow. And so we, if, if you're a branch believer, you come in and you've got your few little green leaves and you're, 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 you're looking at that, that that's, my, that's my life in Christ. And Jesus is going, no, 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 there's a life that's productive. There's a, because here's the deal, when you are connected to the tree, you can't be moved from the tree. But the branch can be picked up and thrown over here and... Whatever season it is, thrown over here. It takes time to die. <laughs> oh, you didn't hear me. Some of the guys in the church used to bring us, when we lived up on the mountain, would bring us uh, some wood every once in a while. They'd cut down a cherry tree. or That was the most awful wood to burn unless you let it set for two to three years and let it season and get hard and brittle. And you could cut it and burn it. A lot of people think, because they're not being burned up right away, that everything's okay. The problem is there's no more juice flowing into the branch. Now, if you're a branch, how do you get reconnected to the tree? Oh, it's an incredible process. One that you've been through before, one that is a very biblical principle. It's called being grafted into the vine. And I've got news for you. It's supernatural. You can't take a class, five-step class, to get grafted into the vine. You just can't decide one day, well, I'm going to get grafted in. You have to be picked, allow yourself to be picked up by the Holy Spirit 
who tenderly begins to graft you, surgically put you back into the tree until the day comes that you're drawing the nutrients and the vitamins and the sap out of the tree again. But it's a supernatural process. Now here's the deal. We were in a dis- we, later on in the discussion Wednesday, so I'm just taking you through staff meetings this morning. How many of you are feeling the Holy Spirit's kind of messing with your brain? Just that's welcome to my week. So we are, we are getting ready because we've, two churches have become one. We have a new name and everything. We're, we're putting together material for membership classes. And everybody's going to, I don't care how long you've been on the south side or how long you've been on the north, you're not a part of the old church or that old church. We have a new church. And so everybody's going to go through the membership stuff together. Well, we got to, terminology is real important to me, especially in this culture. And especially if you're trying to run as fast as you can from established old time church that is a branch that is no longer connected to the tree. Oh, come on. I, 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 I about flipped out the other day. I picked up something from my old denomination and they're telling how, how you know, it, it wasn't an untruth, but it wasn't a truth about their growth and all that. And I'm going, Pfft. as Ellie would say, Pfft. I knew it was, it was political stuff. We'll just call it stuff. See, the branches lay in there and there's still a little bit of green stuff, but it's not connected to the tree any longer. But we brag about our green stuff. Now I got news for you. So we're going through this. So terminology is important. So we come to the part where we're talking about Christology, which means the life of Christ. And, and because we're all here, not because of church, but because of Jesus. Right. If you're here because of church, you need to come meet Jesus. We'll fix that up for you. We'll introduce you to the person of Jesus. And Jesus is upon what we build the church. And when we build it on Jesus, the gates of hell cannot even stop a church that is built on Jesus. We don't build it on a man. We don't build it on a philosophy. We don't build it on a set of doctrine. We build it on Jesus. People think, what's your doctrine? Jesus. How many truths do you got? One. Huh? Jesus said, I am the way. The truth and the life. Well, how do you feel about it? Let's ask Jesus. What's your ecumenical standard? Let's ask Jesus. So we were asking Jesus Wednesday, how do we portray the fact that we believe in the absolute truth that the Holy Spirit is active today? So we started throwing out, and these are terms you're not going to hear from us anymore. We are not a Pentecostal church. I can see some of you are clutching your chest. Well, it's year 2000. Pentecost was 2000 years ago. It was a set date and time. Now, here's a confusing one. We said we're not a charismatic church. But, 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 we're in the prophecy. We speak in tongues. Really? How about if you're going to speak in tongues, you have the fruit hanging from your vine, 
from your tongues. If you're going to prophesy, how about a little fruit off of that puppy too? So what are we, what, what, what are we going to tell people about how we feel? We are a Holy Spirit activated church. We believe that the Holy Spirit supernaturally connects us to Jesus. Well, let's ask Jesus. John chapter 16, he says, I'm going to send you the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he will, he going to baptize you with tongues. That's not what it says. He's going to help you prophesy and raise the dead and heal. That's not what it says. It says the Holy Spirit is going to be active in teaching you all things concerning Jesus. Now, you've got to understand something. If you're not connected to the tree and you're just the branch of there, you'll accept any quote-unquote supernatural thing that comes down the pike. But if you're connected to the tree, here's the deal. Jesus stands up one day and tells the guys, he says, listen, you guys, he says, greater works than these than I've done, you're going to do greater things because I'm going to the Father and I'm going to sit right next to Daddy and I'm going to intercede for you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week until I return to this planet. So get it in your head what I'm showing you here, raising the dead, healing the sick, doing this, this and this, is just a taste of what it's going to be like when the Holy Spirit teaches you everything there is about me. You've got to understand something. I don't want to be a branch. I want to be connected to the vine. And there have been times, now here's, here's where some of you are. You've heard about the proverbial guy who gets out on the limb and saws himself off. Some of you are three quarters of the way cutting off your branch. So what, 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 what do you mean? You come to church on Sunday... By Sunday afternoon, you're fully loaded with whatever you've ate for lunch, you're drowsy a little bit, and Monday morning comes along, you lickety split off to work, and oh, I'll listen to a worship CD, you pop it in, and oh, man, I need to catch up on the new, but get to work, go through your day, and pretty soon, it's Sunday again, and you're getting weaker, and here's the sound I hear in some of your lives, You're sawing the branch off because let me tell you something, to stay connected to the tree, there's certain things that have to happen. One of the things is, you better love that tree. Let me tell you, without the tree, there is no life. And let me tell you something, what Jesus is building in this century, in his church, is not going to be a church that just... Let me tell you something, I, I... I don't care how much Bible knowledge you have. And I believe the church right now is biblically illiterate. But I could fill you all full of all kinds of knowledge. But if you're not in love with Jesus, it doesn't do you any good. Because here's what's coming. A Bible isn't coming down out of the sky. Right. Jesus is going to return and people think, well, we've got to get into the Word. No, a person is returning to this planet. And John declared this. We, were, we, we see back at staff meeting, we're, we're, we're going around the mulberry bush in there, and 
And so, you know, Elizabeth stirs things up. We quiet her down, give her her pills. She's fine. You know, get gin. That's guys, you know. And, and pretty soon it came to the, because well, she's like, well, we got to have, we got to make sure they understand what truth is because we're in a culture. And so, we, so we calmed her down by this. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. Everything that's in this Bible is in Jesus. Everything. Really? What about Genesis? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Wow. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. Who do you think thought up you? Well, it's Father God. No, it was all three of the guys together, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Scripture says in Genesis 1.26, Let us, plural, make man in our, plural, image. So to stay connected, connected, connected to the tree, I've got to fall in love with Jesus. Now here's what's going to happen in the 21st century church. There is a move of God afoot, a visitation that's happening right now as we speak. And I want to be involved. That is called a bridegroom visitation. You know, when I read the scripture in Jeremiah, Jeremiah says, listen, he says, we got a problem here. The voice of the bridegroom's silent. There's somebody going, see, I told you we needed prophecy. No, I'm tired of your prophecies. I'm ready to hear the voice of the bridegroom speaking to the church. The question is for you this morning, are you honest enough to say, you know what, I'm living, now hear this, off of old sap. <laughs> I'm not saying you're an old sap. <laughs> I could. It's right there on the tongue. I'm thinking it. But <laughs> Jesus, forgive me. <laughs> See, old saps, I think there should be a category somewhere in churchology, ecclesiology. There should be a category for old saps. Because old saps don't understand the seasons. And the church of Jesus Christ is moving on. It's moving on. I remember, I remember going through the changes of thinking in my life. Uh, and, I, and I'm running out of time, but I'm going to take, I'm going to take, it's 10 till they can, they can do worship themselves over there. They're quite well at it. Let me tell you a little story. I uh, I'd broken my leg. I'd been out on denominational business and had fallen in a parking lot and broken my leg. They'd taken me to Merle West, Merle West Hospital in Klamath Falls. This will tell you if you ever get sick, don't let it be in Klamath Falls. <laughs> The doctor, they x-rayed me. The doctor comes out. He says, well, it looks like you have a bad sprain. Gave me some pain pills. They, they loaded me in the back of the Cadillac and drove me home. Five-hour drive 
home to our house. I get home, and my wife says, your leg is really swollen bad. So the next morning I go into, I, I get a, into the, go to the hospital because my leg is just hurting. The doctor x-rays it. He comes out and he says, um, you have two bad breaks. We're going to be doing surgery tomorrow on your leg. Now, obviously, the doctor in Klamath Falls, I don't know if he was, you know, maybe he was one of those practicing physicians. He was just <laughs> practicing. But he had it wrong. So they did, I went to, it was in Eugene, I went to, uh, it's a surgeon that, that, that specializes in orthopedic stuff. And in fact, he's a surgeon for, for the football team down there and everything. And I got myself, I had screws in my ankle and everything was put together. Well, they, in order to deal with the pain, they, uh, they gave me pain medication, which my wife enjoyed. Because she said, you know, you, this is the nicest you've been in years. Here, hon, take another. So I was on crutches. So she gets this, I'm just leading up to something. She gets this idea that she wants to go shopping. Well, whatever the dear child wants, we do. So here I'm I, I get out of my car at the shopping center, and as I'm getting up onto the curb to go into the store, my crutch gets stuck between the sidewalk and the curb. You know, there's that little dent. Poof, it goes in there. I fall over on my face, and the crutches are standing straight up. See what she's doing right now? That's exactly what she did. It wasn't, oh dear, are you hurt? She's going, ha <laughs> ha! That is the funniest thing I have ever seen in my life. And people are gathered around and she's yucking it up. I climb back up, yank the things out and go on. Week later, I'm on a, I, had to, I had to fly back to Missouri, to Springfield, Missouri. Actually, I was heading to Indianapolis, Indiana at the time for a meeting. I was on a, I was on a committee that dealt with... Uh, promise keepers and some stuff in the, on a national level. I was flying back there and I, I, I still have my, my, I have my leg now in a boot cast and I got this boot on so I can travel and uh, get off the plane in Denver to catch my uh, connecting flight and wouldn't you know it, my connecting flight, if you've ever been to Denver International, it is the stupidest airport ever known to mankind because at the it's long. And wouldn't you know, my connecting flight is three miles away, it seemed like. And I'd never done this before. I flagged down one of the little carts. You know, for old people here. I'm, I'm wounded. Get home from that. And I had scheduled a group from England in my church. Nobody told me in my wounded state that these people were crazy. They had been to a little church in Brompton, Holy Trinity Church in Brompton, England. If you haven't heard of that, how many of you have heard of Toronto? Toronto started in that little place. They're the people now that do Alpha and other things. Ah, this group shows up. They'd been, came with a group out of Eureka, California. They showed up thinking, this will be great. We'll have a couple, three days, good worship. 
Well, you know, I'm wounded so I can just sit there. And I'm observing the services. Feeling I'm very connected to the tree. I'm secure in everything that's going on. Next thing I know, the worship gets out of hand and the pastor's wife that was there from another church is doing the pony down the middle aisle. (laughs) Thinking, well, this is really nice. Disorder in the house of God. And I was about ready to shut things down because I'm a control freak. (laughs) Two and a half hours later, I woke up looking at the bottom of the piano. (laughs) Not a lot of control. A few weeks later, I was turning a certain age, and so the church threw a birthday party for me, and they said, oh, by the way, we're sending you for your birthday, cruel, sadistic people, we're sending you to Pensacola, Florida for a nice week. I'm telling you this for a reason, because this is how God wants to supernaturally take your dead branch and connect it to the vine. I didn't know at that time, but my wife was, at, was almost to the breaking point. Sometimes in ministry, things just get overwhelmed and people just suck the life out of you. She, she was at a point where she was privately saying, God, if you do not meet my need, if you don't do something... I don't know what's going to happen. We arrived in Pensacola, got our room, went to Brownsville Assembly of God. How many of you heard the Pensacola-Brownsville outpouring? And I'm down there as an observant because I've got to make sure that I report back to the powers that be that, yes, it is an error. It's just a bunch of fleshly stuff get inside, they said, by the way, we have a special seat for you, sir, right up front. So I sit down in my special seat up front because, don't you know, all legitimate religious men want the best seats in the house. Sitting next to me was one of our executives in our denomination, so I felt quite secure that the two of us could keep the blanket on this thing as long as we needed to. Nice air conditioning. It was 95 degrees outside. I'm sitting there. And it was time for worship to start. And it was 7 o'clock. And the guy wasn't out there yet. And I made some comment to her. I thought, wow, some move of God. They can't even start on time. (laughs) About 10, 12 minutes later, this long-haired guy, by the name of Lyndall Cooley, strolls out to the piano. I thought, man, there's no decorum in here. The choir ain't even in place. What? What's the deal? But the minute his fingers hit the keyboard, see, the way to my heart is to worship. Something went through that room. I thought, uh-oh. So worship was great, except for there was a problem even in worship, because sitting on the platform was a man by the name of John Kilpatrick, the pastor. And he's like this, said Elizabeth and I the whole time. They take the offering. He's like this. The guy's preaching, he's like this. His eyes never leave us. I think, you know, dude, you need to go look at somebody else. You're starting to bug me. You're really bothering me. She's lost in the word and the worship. As soon as Steve Hill gives the altar call, she's boom, she's, she's, you know, she's, I'm going forward and I'm going home, brother. And I'm sitting there and the guy stops his altar call. Looks down at me and says, he doesn't know me. I don't know these guys. I'm an unknown. He says, you've traveled 3,000 miles just to sit there. 
God, excuse me. He says, you need to repent. Well, I can do that. So I went down and I'm repenting. The Holy Spirit's all over me, working me. I think got through it. About that time, I find her. We're standing there. John Kilpatrick. Been waiting for you. Boom. She's on the ground. I'm thinking, oh, brother, why can't you? I literally, these thoughts are going through. Why does she have to be knocked out on the ground? Next. Boom. Two hours later. You know why it's important for you to know that about me? Because two days later, I'm kneeling in prayer in that place. And the audible voice of God says, you're leaving Eugene. You're moving to Portland. And it's there I'm going to show you the rest of your life, what I have for you. All that to say this, when I came back to my boss in Salem, denominational guy. He says, come on in my office. Let's talk about this. What, what did you observe? I sat in that chair and began to weep. I said, Pastor Bill, I'm backslid. All I can tell you is that I met a man. His name is Jesus. He's real. And I'm crazy about him. And I can't do this job anymore. Two years later, I walked out of that office for good. You see, God had to graft supernaturally me back into the tree. And nobody's more stubborn than me. But if he can do it for me, I'm telling you, Branch, it's time to let yourself get reconnected to the tree. I want you to stay.